What's happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Waz, Benji Wozniak. This is going to be the second edition of Short Stories and Poetry. Uh, the first story is going to be called The Weezer. Uh, it's about a woman with a bad case of asthma who reflects on the failures in her life as she tried to become a serial killer. So, uh, let's get started. She could feel the sweat running down her back. The vinyl jogging suit was sticking to her body. She was seeing spots before her eyes and gasping for air. The elderly woman was only a few feet away from her, but it didn't matter. She needed her inhaler. She staggered off to the jogging path and eased herself onto the park bench. As she struggled to open her fanny pack or her inhaler, she almost cut herself on the steak knife inside. Her hands were shaking as she put the inhaler into her mouth and took a deep puff. She felt the medicine going to work on her lungs almost immediately, and her breathing returned to normal. She could still see the elderly jogger through her watering eyes and cursed her in frustration. All her life, asthma has prevented her from succeeding. Yet this idea seemed perfect when she thought it up. She was sure that becoming a serial killer was the only thing asthma couldn't possibly prevent her from succeeding at. However, the primary target of most serial killers was joggers. Therein lay her problem. Not only did her attempt at jogging trigger her asthma, but another problem could have occurred. Had she managed to assault the elderly jogger in a secluded area and had an asthma attack, she probably would have got her ass kicked and arrested. All this planning and the only thing she had accomplished was another failure. She had become so confident when she she went and bought her jogging suit. She was even happy to buy a pair of pink and gray Nikes that matched her suit. She told herself just because she was resorting to a life of crime didn't mean she couldn't do it in style. Then there was a brilliant idea about the steak knives. She had purchased a number of True Detective magazines to research her newest profession. What she learned was that serial killers that got caught made some stupid mistakes. The most common mistake was using some rare weapon that one way or another could be traced back to its owner. That caused her to think about her choice as a murder weapon. When she was contemplating this dilemma, she had been in the process of shopping. That's when she walked by the kitchen department and had a brainstorm. Hell, how many households across the United States owned steak knives? Good luck, Mr. Officer Man, with tracing this murder weapon, she thought to herself as she made her purchase. She stared from the bench as another elderly jogger wearing a white suit passed her by. This old bat had the nerve to twiddle her fingers at her. She would have loved to carve that smile off her arrogant little face and could have if she didn't suffer from this stupid affliction. How come when she was a little girl playing at the park, life seemed so much better? When she had an attack, none of the other kids teased her. The other children would even race to get her parents when she had one. Then after she used her inhaler and sat for a while, the other children would beg her parents to let her come back and play. Those were happier days of her life. Then came the first day of kindergarten. The days leading up to school were great. Her parents took her shopping for school supplies. The store they shopped at had the coolest lunch pail. It was a pretty princess design with a built-in thermos. Everything was going so good until her first recess. That that's when she had her first experience with the game kickball. When it was her turn, she kicked the ball and started to run to first base. Unfortunately, the rapid cardio-induced activity caused an asthma attack. That was the day all the names started, like Norma No Breath, Puffing Princess, and Wheezy. Unlike the children at the park, the children throughout her years in elementary school tormented her. She was never picked to play any team sports. She spent a lot of time sitting by herself. Her parents always told her that other children would grow out of it, but they never did. Truth be told, they got worse. Once Norma entered junior high, she was sure things would change for the better. Many of the children she had gone to school with going to other schools. She highly doubted that the immaturity of elementary school would follow her to junior high. She was having a good first day till she went to physical education. The moment she walked into the gym, a girl named Laura Cook recognized her. Laura began to tease her and call those old nicknames. Norma was so embarrassed that she ran out of the gym with tears flowing from her eyes. The only good thing to come out of the situation was that she could switch out of the PE class for a study hall due to her asthma. That didn't stop Laura and her clique from teasing her in the hallways or at lunch or on the bus ride home. If Laura Cook was one of those joggers passing by, Norma would try her hardest to run her down and plunge that steak knife into her perfect little stupid neck. Maybe the last thing that Norma ever did, but it would be so satisfying that it would be worth the consequences. The sight of that blonde-haired, blue-eyed bimbo gasping for air after all the time she made fun of Norma. What a classic. Norma remembered her first experience at killing something. It was during her last year in junior high. Her parents had decided to buy a family dog. She had pleaded for a Dalmatian puppy, but her parents were just going to the Humane Society and choosing whatever they had. Norma was so excited the day they finally went. Her imagination was running wild with images of all kinds of 
of small cute puppies, yapping and frolicking playfully. She was going to have a hard time choosing only one. Maybe if she begged and pleaded, she would be able to get two puppies. When they were taken back to the kennels, her heart was broken. They only had three dogs. Two of them growled and snapped at the cages they were in. The last was a sad-eyed brown mixed Labrador retriever. So, by default, they brought home the lab. She decided to make the best of a bad situation, named the dog Dipsy. But even that was taken from her by her father, who started calling the dog Banjo. Somehow, that stupid nickname stuck. From that moment on, Norma hated the dog. Norma's backyard led off into the woods with a path that they could follow to the local lake. Her parents would walk with her in the fall so that she could see how the leaves changed colors. Norma loved those walks and seeing the red and yellow shades the trees took on during that time. In the winter, you could still walk down the path. The snow made it a lot harder, but during the winter, the woods took on a different beauty. The trees were bare of leaves and as far as you could see, there was nothing but white. It reminded her of that old song, A White Christmas. Her father had taken on the responsibilities of taking Banjo for his walks. It became a comic routine to hear her father complaining about how it became a comic routine to hear her father complaining about being stuck with the duty. When Norma or her mother would offer to do it, her father would just wave them off and do it anyway. On one occasion, no one was home, so she had no choice but to walk the dog. She was doing fine until the dog decided to stop pulling on the leash and trying to run off. As she struggled with the dog, she had another asthma attack. She let go of the leash and fumbled out her pocket, attempting to get her inhaler. Norma was on her back, staring up at the sky by the time she finally recovered. She followed the path to the lake and found the stupid dog waiting for her. She had no problems bringing the dog home, but it was too late. The dog was going to pay. That night, when she told her father what had transpired, he felt terrible. He told Norma how whenever he took Banjo out, they'd just jog around the lake. He told her not to blame the dog, because it was only doing what it was accustomed to doing. As her father was explaining all this to Norma, the dog was staring up at her with those sad eyes. If her father wasn't there, she would kick the dog right in the face. The following week, Norma once again found herself alone with Banjo. This time, when she took him for a walk, she let the leash go. When Norma made it back to the lake, Banjo was happily waiting. Norma sat down beside the dog and began to scratch behind his ears. Banjo soaked up the welcome affection. He lifted his head. Norma slid the knife across his throat. The blade bit deep into the flesh and fur, and Banjo immediately began to gasp. The dog's eyes stayed looking sad as it tried to hack up the blood so it could breathe. Norma started to laugh and shake with excitement as she watched Banjo die. Norma was sure she'd have an attack, but she didn't. She felt great and found herself yelling at Banjo, asking if he'd like this feeling. She grabbed the dead dog's mouth and began to fish in her pocket for her inhaler. When she saw the blood, Norma snapped out of her delirium and started to take control of herself again. She had removed the rope she put in her fanny pack earlier. She tied one end of the rope to a big rock, and the the banjo's limp corpse. She was able to lift the rock with both hands and toss it into the lake. Norma started to gasp for breath, but took two deep puffs of her inhaler. She had to remind herself that there was no rush. After a few minutes, she dragged Banjo into the lake and was pleased to see that Norma would be able to spot the dead dog's body from the shore. The rod removed almost all the blood from her clothes, but she was still going to throw them into the wash. Norma walked over and picked up her father's knife. She didn't remember dropping it, and when she saw that it was free of blood, she grinned. All she had to do was return it to her father's study, and when he would never have a clue of what it was used for. On the walk back from the lake, she practically was skipping. Norma had finally done something while having an asthma attack. Granted, many would feel what she did was sick and twisted. Those would be the same assholes that teased her. By the time her father came home, she had already washed her clothes and showered. She began to cry hysterically as she told the story of how Banjo ran away. Her father told her to just calm down as she took two puffs of her inhaler. He promised that once Banjo got hungry, he'd return and that she shouldn't worry. It rained that night, and her father sat on the back porch all night waiting for Banjo to return. That was something he had never did before, but he made that his nightly vigil until the day he died. Norma felt terrible about how hurt her father became at the loss of Banjo. As she sat on the bench remembering this, she contemplated scuba diving for the bones. She'd retrieve Banjo's bones and bury them with her father. Well, that sounded good, but her asthma friend the ability of scuba diving. Besides, even if she could and did recover the bones, she'd just keep them as a reminder of her victim. She had read in a detective magazine that serial killers kept mementos of their victims. Norma knew the magazine was referring to human victims, but Banjo was her first victim, and that should count for something. When she entered 
accepted high school, Norma decided to go to the extreme to be accepted. She was going to be the school tramp. Her problem was never bad looks. Truth be told, Norma was very attractive. With her long black hair, blue eyes, and large breasts, a lot of boys gawked at her. If it wasn't for her asthma affliction, she probably would have been highly sought after by the guys. There was one guy named Jeffrey Wilson who was considered the class rebel. Norma decided she would make advances towards him and let him take her virginity. Norma figured that once Jeffrey went around bragging to everyone about what he had done, other guys would come a-running. Norma's advances on Jeffrey paid off, and one night she got him to come over to her house. Parents had to go out for the evening and wouldn't be home until late. Her and Jeffrey were making out hot and heavy on her bed when he reached down and undid her pants. The excitement became too much and she had a bad asthma attack. She must have passed out at some point, but when she woke up, her pants were off. What was worse was that between her legs was painful and blood was on her legs and blanket. The jerk had sex with her while she was unconscious and just left her lying there when he was done. The next day at school, Norma expected to have a bunch of guys approach her for dates, but no one did. When she walked the school's halls, she also didn't notice anyone pointing or giggling at her. Norma waited a week before she concluded that Jeffrey didn't tell anyone what they had did. He had been avoiding her all week, so she decided to confront him after school. She'd just wait by his motorcycle until he came out and make him tell people what they did. Either to start telling people she was easy or have a dose of rat poison slipped into his soda at lunch. When Jeffrey saw her at his motorcycle after school, he was not happy. He was even less happy when Norma laid into him for his lack of decency for not telling anyone at school what they had done. That's when Jeffrey spilled his guts. He had only recently taken on the rebel image so people would think he was cool. Before he changed his image, he was viewed as a geek and no one would talk to him. He would have gladly told people what they had done, but he was still in shock over it himself. He had only made it to second base before and couldn't believe he had actually made it home. At some point, Jeffrey asked her if she had enjoyed it and Norma had to remind him that she was unconscious. He begged for her forgiveness and asked if she would be his girlfriend. Norma was intrigued about being Jeffrey's girlfriend. This would secure her social acceptance. He told her to give him an answer later when he came by her house. He kissed her before starting his motorcycle and driving away. When he was about 20 feet from her, he turned his head to look back to her, and in that instant, he shot into an intersection and was creamed by a bus. Norma was still staying in the same spot when the police arrived on the scene. Later that night, Norma sat in a room stewing about the day. How could she be so stupid to give her virginity to such a moron? She imagined herself as the bus driver. Once he hit Jeffrey the first time, she would have thrown the bus in reverse and ran over his dumb ass over and over again. His death ruined everything. She couldn't very well tell people they had sex without him being alive to verify it. People at school would only think she was saying it to be noticed. She thought about going back to her original plan of being the school tramp, but she changed her mind. She wasn't too keen on having continual asthma attacks every time she was caught in the heat of the moment. Norma suffered through high school as she did in junior high and elementary. Once she entered college, Norma decided to just be who she was and deal with it. That was until she bought a detective magazine with an article that piqued her interest. The story was about a female student at another college. This student went to the police and told them how one of her professors was forcing sex for a good grade. Working with the police, she brought down the professor and became very popular amongst her peers. Norma had to laugh at a side article that said the student later did a naked photo shoot and starred in several pornos. Norma decided that this was the perfect opportunity and even knew the professor she could blame. He was always making lewd advances at his female students and suggested that they come back after school for extra tutoring. Norma spent the remainder of the night thinking of a convincing story she could tell the dean the next day. She figured once she began talking and getting all emotional, she'd most likely have an attack. No one likes to see a person with a disability get taken advantage of. That would help her cook the professor's goose. The next morning, as she approached the dean's building, she noticed two police cars parked in front. She pushed through a small crowd that had gathered to discover what was happening. One of the people told her that a female student had come forward and accused the professor of forcing sex for good grades. Norma could only stare at the dean's building in utter disbelief. Now, two years removed from college, Norma sat on the park bench contemplating this newest failure. She considered maybe foregoing human victims and killing pets. 
dead one pet already in the books. She was pretty sure she never heard of a pet serial killer. As she was thinking this, her imagination took hold of her. Noma found herself attending a meeting of Serial Killers Anonymous. At this meeting, when she stood and said that she was a newly reformed pet serial killer, the other attendees burst into laughter. This laughter snapped Noma out of her daydreaming and back to the present. Noma took a few more moments to gather herself and then rose from the bench. She noticed another elderly woman in a pink jogging suit passing by. Noma was about to head back home when suddenly she stopped to take a close look at the woman. She wasn't jogging, she was walking. A big smile formed on Noma's face as she remembered hearing about people doing something called power walking. Oh, the sweet smell of success, Noma thought as she rubbed her thumb across the blade of the knife and headed down the trail after the elderly woman. So that concludes part one of the Weezer. Um, as you can see, it's just me reading the story of the Weezer that I wrote. Uh, there's no actual dialogue between the characters. That was actually done because a person asked me to do that. When I write my stories, it's usually from some people saying to me, can you do a story like this? Or can you do a story about that? A lot of it's about Lynn, and this one particular was about, you know, someone with asthma or a disability and worked that into a storyline. I really like the character of Norma, and uh, I ended up writing a second one called The Weezer 2, This Puss For You. So here we go. Norma stared in the mirror and gently touched the bruise underneath her eye. It had been almost a week since the attack, and the bruise only just recently began to fade. Who could have known that the power-walking elderly woman also had aspirations to be a serial killer? It seemed at the time that she was finally going to make her first kill. Then, as she got closer, the elderly lady turned and punched her in the face, causing her to fall to the ground. Unfortunately, it also caused Norma to drop the steak knife she was holding, which the elderly lady quickly picked up and would have used on Norma had it not been for two men jogging by upon the scene and made a citizen's arrest. The televisions and newspapers ate the whole situation up, dubbing the elderly lady the senior slasher. To make matters worse, Norma's name was only mentioned briefly as the victim and witness for the state, and it finally made its trial. Norma was supposed to be the one whose life was being run through a microscope, not the stupid elderly lady. This was supposed to be her first moment in the spotlight. She was the one who was going to be led into the courtroom and become a legend. The lady's story wasn't even a good one. The lady claimed that she decided to turn to a life of crime due to society. No one would give her a decent paying job due to her age. Her son and daughter were planning on putting her in a nursing home. Her social security check wasn't enough to pay for anything these days. So she decided to go out and become a serial killer with the intention of being caught. This way she could go to prison and get free room and board, not to have to worry where her next meal was coming from, and receive free dental and medical. The more Noma thought about it, the more she realized that the lady's story was actually a good one. Maybe that was why a lot of people were sympathetic to the lady and were even picketing the courthouse on her behalf. One group that wasn't on the elderly lady's side were the animal activists. They made headlines that what drove the lady over the edge was her pet Conver. The bird wouldn't stop squawking, which with everything else going on in her life caused her to snap. So on the morning of the attack, before she left her house, she took the bird out of his cage, tossed him in the microwave and pushed the chicken button. The police were contacted to confirm this story, but they would not confirm nor deny it. They would only say that Carlton the Convor did indeed have a tragic accident on the morning in question. Norma walked out of the bathroom and sat on her sofa, trying to think of what she would do next. It was obvious now that serial killer was now totally out of the question. If she did anything like that now, she'd be seen only as a copycat. Not to mention they'd say she did it due to the trauma she received at the hands of the little lady, which would only add to the popularity of the so-called senior slasher. Norma began to wonder if she was going about this all wrong. Maybe what she needed to be successful was a partner. Problem was, the only person she could think of who hated people as much as Norma did was a blonde girl who worked in an office named Renee. Renee had to wear these really thick glasses because her eyesight was so bad. She had told Norma how all her life people made fun of her, and she'd love to someday pay them back. In this way, she was a kindred spirit with Norma. They could use their anger as a motivating reason to go on a nationwide crime spree. The media would probably call them the real-life version of Thumb and Louise. Norma took a puff from her inhaler as the excitement of the possibility brought her to the brink of an asthma attack. As the medicine began to take effect and her head became clear, she realized the idea was flawed. It was true that Renee and her were equals in some things, but intelligence wasn't one of them. Truth be told, Renee was as dumb as a box of rocks. Rumor had it that the only reason that she kept her job was because she 
she did favors for the boss. So in the end, it wouldn't be like Thelma and Louise. It would end up being more like that blonde and brunette bank robber joke. The brunette tells the blonde to go into the bank and tie up the guard and blow up the safe, while the brunette waits in the car for the getaway. After the blonde enters the bank, a few minutes go by. Then the bank alarm sounds. The blonde comes out of the bank trying to drag the safe by a rope as the guard chases after her trying to pull up his pants. Norma giggled as she pictured the whole scenario playing out in her head. They would definitely end up getting caught and become co-defendants. The problem with that is there's no such thing as a co-defendant. It's more like a defendant and a turncoat, which could definitely be Renee, who would crack under the state attorney's pressure. Granted, Norma would become famous, however, it would be due to Renee's betrayal. Norma would never be able to let that go and would go crazy in prison being unable to seek vengeance on Renee for her betrayal. So after those thoughts, Norma dismissed the idea of seeking a partner in crime. Norma grabbed a pen and paper off the coffee table and made a note that if she changed her mind about being a serial killer, her first victim would be Renee, that treacherous backstabbing tramp. Norma put the pen and paper back on the table and picked up the latest crime magazine. After glancing through it for a few minutes, she came across the article about a crazed survivalist who was killed by the FBI at a secluded compound. Now here's something that might have potential. It shouldn't be too hard to find one of those survival groups and sign up. Once a member, they could teach her how to use different kinds of weapons and survive in the wilderness. The longer she pondered this idea, the more she realized these groups do a lot of physical training. With her asthma, she'd never be able to do all the strenuous training. Besides, they have no sense of style. All they wear is camouflage outfits. Not to mention, they crawl on the ground with all those creepy crawly things. Norma shivered at the thought. Well, that's definitely not going to happen, Norma decided. Norma placed the magazine on the table and leaned back into the cushions. Why was it so difficult to come up with an idea to do something to become famous? The survival group had some potential. She needed something less physical. So she sat up straight and smiled as the image popped into her head. A biker gang. She could go to one of those biker bars and become a biker babe. She'd look good in the tight leather. And she'd have the best shot at both worlds. The biker gang could teach her how to use weapons. And she could convince them to go into a nation wide crime spree. As she thought about the motorcycle, her mind flashed back to the moron ex-boyfriend she had in high school. The thought of the bus coming out of nowhere and flattening him caused her to start reconsidering the idea. Besides, with her asthma, would she even be able to breathe on a motorcycle as it sped down the highway? Then there's the sex. Most bikers are fat, out-of-shape slobs. Granted, many aren't, but with her luck, she could see how this was going to end up. She'd get some loser with a beer gut who would get on top of her, and she'd have an asthma attack due to being smothered by the idiot. No, Noma thought to herself as she leaned back again. This idea was no good either. With a sigh of frustration, she rose from the couch and decided to walk around the neighborhood. Maybe the fresh air of the night would bring her some good ideas. As she exited her apartment and headed down the street, a semi-truck roared by. Norma stared at the truck's taillights as it stopped at the red light. The thought of maybe becoming a rest stop serial killer popped into her mind and quickly popped out again. She didn't see herself hitching rides in semis across the country. Rest stops were far from cleanly, and she'd probably end up hitching a ride with a psychotic truck driver and end up a statistic. She decided to keep the idea on the back burner and maybe work out the kinks, keeping it as a last resort. What she could do is fall back on Old Faithful. She could once again become a pet serial killer. She'd go to the pet store and buy a goldfish. For the first few days, she'd feed it, then just stop. She'd watch the goldfish swim around in panic. Then after a few days, she'd sprinkle sand into the water instead of food. She could picture the poor goldfish sucking in the particles of sand and spinning it back out once it realized it wasn't food. Norma laughed as she imagined the fish thinking to itself, Why have you forsaken me, god of the yummy flakes? Norma watched as an elderly lady who was walking towards her quickly crossed the street. Norma realized how she might look to other people, just walking and laughing to herself. And then her facial expression changed to one of anger as she realized she couldn't even kill pets. The stupid elderly lady nuked her convert. Even if she tried to be a pet serial killer, she'd again be considered a copycat. Sure, she could always bring them to Banjo's watery grave, but he'd only be bones by now, so that really wouldn't prove her case. And what if the police did raid her? 
house. Would a goldfish lying belly up in a fishbowl be considered a murder scene? She highly doubted it. To Noma's surprise, she had already circumvented her block and was approaching her apartment. As she began to climb the steps of her building, the ultimate idea dawned on her. She could achieve everything she had ever wanted and do it legally. She could cause pain and heartache through society and be remembered in history. She could even announce her intentions to the public after the elder lady's trial. She might not be the headliner of the trial, but the media would definitely want an interview with her once the trial ended and every day after. Epilogue. Two officers led the elderly lady back to her cell block. The trial lasted about two weeks, and today they found her guilty. However, despite the state attorney's best efforts, all they could convict her on was aggravated battery with a weapon, which she hoped the judges sentenced her to the maximum that, that charge carried. She doubted at her age she lived to see the release date, but she couldn't be sure. Prison was awful, but she'd get three meals a day, her laundry done, free dental and medical, and a bed to sleep in. This was guaranteed to her by the state as a prisoner, where if she was free, there was no guarantees she'd receive anything. That wasn't the main reason for all this. No benefits for a person her age guaranteed to her by the government. As she entered the cell block, she saw her friend on the television. She walked closer and heard the reporter ask what Norma was going to do now that the trial was over. With a big smile, Norma turned to the camera and said she was going to run for a political office in the next election. The elderly lady turned from the television and thought to herself, well played, Weezer. Well played. That ends one and two of the Weezer. I am thinking about continuing the story, but we'll see. I do encourage everybody to dare to be different. Be a voice, uh, write poetry, write short stories, do music, be a podcaster. Think of something that your voice can be heard from. It's really encouraging. I'd like to end this podcast on a positive note with some Buddhist teachings. First step on the path of Buddhism is to lessen our desires and be satisfied with what we have. Then our minds will relax and we will begin to gain wisdom. When we treat others with loving kindness, we will not stir up ill feelings, and we will be able to form good relationships with others. Every single day is like a blank page of our life. Every person we meet, every event we participate in, is a lively essay. The behavior of a person during his lifetime, be it good or evil, is accumulated over time. Be faithful and honest from deep inside. This is the essence of spiritual cultivation. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, I'd like to check out my friend Jamie Elwin's new shirt designs called Babies on Board. Uh, it's on my Facebook page and on the Was Happenings Facebook page, the links. So check that out. And please tune in next time to find out what's happening. Happening.